Winter was here, but we are just getting started on our Game of Thrones rewatch for Season 5, Episode 4, Sons of the Harpy. And now, here are the two guys who uh, used to welcome Rhaegar Targaryen to participate in the Wandoff all the time back in the day. I am Rob Sister here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? Rob, can you feel my heart racing? <laughs> Uh, uh, I have to go. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Sons of the Harpy, episode four of season five, a turning point of sorts. So many a turning point, especially for uh, Barristan in the Bold. It's, it's the turning point for Barristan in the Bold. That yeah. guy's dead. He's straight up. He's not alive anymore. He is dead. So uh, pour one out for Sir Barristan and Josh. We have a, another season five episode of Game of Thrones that has it all. Dorn, Miranese <laughs> politics, faith militant. Uh, it's all happening. Uh, before we got on here, uh, Rob, you posited that this might be the worst episode of Game of Thrones through this point in the rewatch. I'd love to hear a little more why you think that this one is is such a clunker. Okay, so I feel like, and this I think is going to be ongoing with uh, season five. I think that if you are a regular listener to the podcast, I, I think you know which storylines are the ones that are uh, not working, and I, and I feel like there's a big four. Uh, Dorn. Uh, yep. So, you know, as as the, you know, the Jamie and Braun stuff is fine, but ba- basically Dorn outside of Jamie and Braun together. Uh, everything going on with uh, Marine, Sons of the Harpy, uh, everything with uh, Hisdar, all that stuff uh, is another bogey for me. Yeah. Uh, the Faith Militant, the High Sparrow. You, you, hate, you hate the High Sparrow. You hate the Faith Militant so much. Some things just have not changed. Yeah, uh, that that was a, that was the case back in the day. That is the case today. And number four is the House of Black and White. So those are the, the, the big four. You have three of the four here in this episode, but I'm sure that we will have an episode where we have the four horsemen of the Game of Thrones apocalypse <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I'm, I'm sure that we do. Just off the top of my head, I don't know which one that is. And I, mean, I will I, say that will be the worst Game of Thrones episode in terms of yeah. the rankings. And there's good stuff here. There yeah. is, uh, you know, there's good stuff uh, at the wall. And, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on in Winterfell with uh, Sansa and Littlefinger. But in terms of the my four least favorite storylines, then, you know, three of the big four are here. It's just so fascinating because this is the the winningest season of Game of Thrones, I believe, in terms of uh, its its uh, appearance at the at the Emmys for this season. They've won. A, I, I'm blanking on the number, but like a real uh, serious showing from Game of Thrones that year. And it really is, uh, you know, going through this this fourth episode, which a lot of it is is more miss than hit for me as well uh, for for it to be so heavily recognized for a season of the show that I think. It's just, it's not even that it's always all just kind of like bad or anything like that, but a lot of the storylines are just a little bit soft. You know, there's just there's just something about about the about the show this year where even some of the storylines that you typically really enjoy, like you're you're typically pretty thrilled to spend time in Winterfell. But I actually I'm I'm not feeling the Winterfell stuff right now. I think especially because we know how this is going to end for Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. So it just it, it feels almost even cheaper uh, right now as we're as we're going through it. There's just a, a, a little bit of a toothlessness to season five, uh, certainly compared to the double whammy of three and four that we just went through, which was was so, so great. But I don't know if the lows of season five are as low as the lows of season two. I think that's something that I'm just going to have to keep gut checking as we go through here. This is a, a not a not phenomenal episode of Game of Thrones, yeah. for sure. Not super memorable. Maybe we'll see if we can find. I guess uh, Sir Barristan dying is the uh, most memorable thing. That or scene was actually thing. better. Yeah, that scene was better than I remembered it. Like I remember being so blind with rage that the show had the audacity to kill off Barristan the bold when he is very much alive in the books uh, at this point still because that sixth book hasn't come out and Barristan's still kicking. I was very, very mad about that and just 
freaking annoyed. Uh, but at the at the same point, with like that emotional uh, reaction now in the rearview mirror, it felt like at least they let Barrison be pretty cool in his final scene. Like he like rips one guy in half with his sword at one point. Like you definitely see him moving pretty fast. So it felt like Barry the Bold at least got to show off some of his skills on the way out the door. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk through what's going on here in this episode where we had that cliffhanger at the end of the last episode where Jorah, he grabbed Tyrion and said, I'm taking you to see the queen. And uh, like, uh oh, felt like that Tyrion's going to be in big trouble. But uh, eventually we're going to find out that it's uh, not that queen, not that queen. So different queen, different queen. A queen be a does not necessarily want Tyrion's, uh, you know, beheaded head, you yeah. know, may- maybe has other interests in mind when it comes to the end. But we don't find that out just yet. So we just see Jorah uh, basically punch a guy in the face and take his boat. <laughs> I was watching with uh, with uh, the the blinds in my room were were up and it was morning and uh, very very bright in my room so it was very hard to see what was happening in like the yeah, first three minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of like <laughs> dark dead of shot. night process oriented. Jorah dragging Tyrion onto a boat and knocking him around. Yeah, yeah, it's really like taking a, a cue from Maud of the Vale just uh, with how much he is punching Tyrion in this episode. Mm-hmm. You hear him drop some coins on the guy who he stole his boat. Uh, hopefully nobody takes them away from him while he's passed out unconscious. But that's right. sort of code that Jorah is actually a good guy. I mean, he gives the guy some money for his boat that he was stealing. He's an all right guy. He's a decent guy. It's fine. And, you know, when he, he had the, like the slaves and stuff, that wasn't great. Yeah. But other, other than that, he's been pretty cool. And like the spying the thing, that fan. wasn't so great. Yeah. yeah. And being in the brothel and stuff, it wasn't all so great. But a lot of it's really great with Jorah Mormont. On another boat. We see that uh, Jamie Lannister is sailing and past an island. Uh, it turns out it's Tarth. A little shout out to Brienne. Uh, and a little a tear rolls down uh, your cheek as you as you contemplate the alternate reality where Jamie Lannister and Brienne of Tarth are able to to get it together. The two of those crazy kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jamie is going to say in this episode that the way he wants to die is to be wrapped in the arms of the of the woman he loves. Perhaps, just maybe, that will be Brienne instead of Cersei by the end of this whole thing. Oh, that's very interesting. How about that? How about that? Interesting uh, theory. Uh, you're shipping them as we uh, go inside so the ship. Ships. Yes. So many ships. Lots so, of ships. So many ships going on. And so uh, down in, what would you call this? The, uh, the, 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 hull. The, the hull of the ship. The belly of the, the ship. Be- <laughs> sure. Jamie and Braun are talking about uh, this mission and that they are not taking a Lannister ship. I think that maybe uh, that Braun here is speaking for the audience of, well, why not take the Lannister fleet? Why not, yeah. uh, you know, go all in and go and bring Marcella back from Dorne? The whole um, thrust of this scene is Bronn trying to get Jamie to give him a good explanation for why any of this is even happening. And uh, what's funny is Jamie can't do that. Uh, you know, all he'll say is like, it has to be me. I have to be the guy. It's got to be me who goes. And Bronn's like, OK, but why? Why is it you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a nutshell, this is the Doran storyline. Yes. Now, I do think they give you subtext here of that. Jamie says, no, it has to be me. And that he is feeling guilt over, you know, uh, Bron says, oh, you freed your brother. And right. No, Varys did that. But Tyrion did go on to kill Tywin Lannister. And I think that Jamie is feeling some guilt about that. And so after Cersei really reamed him out that he needs to uh, run this errand to make things right, I think, for both his own conscience and for Cersei. Yeah, he needs to find his niece. Mm-hmm. Bronn's like, come on. Come on, guy. Like, don't, <laughs> like, come on. I was born, but I wasn't born yesterday. Yeah. Jamie says when Bronn uh, tells him, well, if you see your brother, uh, give him my regards. Uh, Jamie says, I will split him in two when I see him. Uh, He will not. He will not. He will not. The first encounter of Jamie Lannister and Tyrion Lannister uh, coming your way in season seven will luckily be a, uh, a less bloody affair than that. Okay, let's check in on our third Lannister of the episode. Uh, we see Cersei at small council 
and uh, talking to Mace Tyrell about what's going on with the Iron Bank. And uh, Mace Tyrell says, look, they need their money. Maybe we could loan it to you. Uh, Cersei says, no, you need to go to Bravos." Yeah, small council needs to get a little bit smaller. Uh, mm-hmm. Not quite small enough for Cersei's liking. Yeah, yeah Pycelle's still hanging out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week of like, when does Cersei know that she's got a move here where she can really do some damage to House Tyrell? Um, and certainly in this episode, she has figured out what she's doing. So I think that's a big piece of why she's sending Mace away, because if Mace is away, he's not going to be able to cause such a big fuss when Loras gets arrested uh, and when Marjorie is depowered as a result. You got to imagine if Mace is here. I, I mean, I don't really know what Mace will do because he is such a sheepish guy. Just shake uh, a finger at her. You could shake a finger at her and you'd rather him just be out of sight, out of mind. You know, dealing with him uh, in terms of any kind of legality or the optics of having to deal with Mace Tyrell in that situation is probably murkier than she wants. So sending him off to Bravos is a better deal. Plus, it gets Marin Trant in Bravos, and that's going to get Marin Trant totally dead. Yeah. So, you know, kills two birds with one stone. <laughs> or one Marin Trant. With or one Trant. One uh, <laughs> meal. <laughs> Yeah, right. with with several pokes to the face right. with a dagger. So, Josh, back to the Marin Trant thing. Why did Cersei send Marin Trant to go with Mace Tyrell? Was Marin Trant supposed to assassinate Mace Tyrell? I mean, why? She seems to have no regard for uh, Mace Tyrell in terms of his safety. Why send somebody who's a, a key cog like Marin Trant off on this mission? My guess would be, like... If if they can get away with this situation without having to kill Mace Tyrell and eventually just like telling Mace Tyrell like, oh, relax, like it, it is what it is. Very sorry about all of this. And just like, you know, kind of play him like the dummy he is, that that would be the preferred option. Um, but in case he starts like barking mad and just like fuming with fire over what he's hearing about happening in King's Landing, I think if you have if you have uh, if you if you've got um, uh, Marin Trant along for the ride He's a Cersei loyalist. He's going to kill Mace Tyrell if he needs to. I think that that's probably the play. It's like, just keep an eye on him. And if like you need to do a thing for me, please do the thing. And, you know, he's Marin Trant has no scruples. So he'd be pretty thrilled to do that, I'm sure. Okay, Cersei is going to have a meeting with the High Sparrow who doesn't want wine. And Cersei is very impressed with him because uh, the High Septon would have asked what vintage it was. What a snob, High Septon. Yeah. A big, big snob. And the highest part is like, honestly, I just kind of don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not. If you've got any edibles, I'll try that. Whoa. You know, High Sparrow's probably into that. He's not really. <laughs> is that why they call him the High Sparrow? Yes, exactly. But he's not much of a drinker. So uh, Cersei is just so impressed. Oh, you want to bring back the face militant, man? Oh, my God. Like, but that's like a really big deal. <laughs> the really High Sparrow. <laughs> Wait, you want me to be the high septon? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to explore this for a second, I mean, he also, you know, walks around with no shoes on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of see that. Yeah. There's the baked sparrow over here. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, yeah, sitting around, like hanging out with his, you know, uh, fellow followers. Like I I could see it sort of being, it's kind of like a commune. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The faith militant. Guys, you should like totally like tattoo your foreheads, but instead, like it should you like should like cut like the sigil into your forehead. It'd be so dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little extreme. Yeah, it was it was a high idea. It was you know it was not he was not of his right mind. Mm-hmm. But once they committed to it, they kind of have to just like go forward with the look. So Cersei is talking about how you know the too often it's the wicked and the wealthiest that are beyond the reach of justice. What if I was to rearm the faith militant? Uh, what do you think about that? Ah, uh, well, a great idea on paper, Cersei. But uh, at the same time, you are you're just opening the uh, you're opening the gate. Uh, for for your own fall here, so it's a it's a fun scene to revisit. Certainly, knowing the outcome of of where this is going to go for Cersei, where 
her arming the faith militant to get Loris Tyrell and therefore get Marjorie in trouble as well. This is all going to open the door for her to be caught for sure, like, incest sure. with, with Lancel and everything like that. So really not seeing all the angles on this but, one, Cersei. Josh, even in the first guess, I just feel like that Boy, this seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, it's short-sighted. Mm-hmm. It's definitely short-sighted. But I think it's worth remembering that Cersei has just lost one of her children, mm-hmm. uh, has just lost her father, and her daughter is long gone right now, like, you know, out of sight, out of mind, maybe never going to see her again, certainly, ultimately, never will see her again alive. Uh, and then her sole surviving son, now the king of Westeros, is being taken away from her by this new young queen. And she's got all this baggage from this prophecy that's been bouncing mm-hmm. around in her brain all this time. So right. Cersei's kind of turned up. She's not really thinking a younger super queen will take point. everything you hold the air, right? Right. She's not yet at the point where she is able to uh, move forward, operating fueled by rage rather than grief and despair. I think she's still kind of like in uh, the, you know, the rebounding of grief. And this is not as strong of a place for her as she's going to get to much later on. I think she has to fall a little bit further this season so that she is able to really rise by the end of season six. Okay. Cersei is going to say to the High Sparrow, like, uh, well, what if I told you we had a sinner in our midst, uh, shielded by gold and privilege? Yeah. Check your privilege, Loris. And what if I told you that we have a sinner podcast here on post show recaps where Antonio Mazzaro and I are recapping each episode of the sinner season two on USA network airing Wednesday nights and the podcasts arriving usually by Fridays in our midst. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What if I told you that? So, uh, yeah, that would be cool. And so, we see now the Faith Militant go to work. They are smashing up all the wine, I guess, because the High Sparrow doesn't like it. And a big crackdown at the local King's Landing brothel. I don't like these scenes on Game of Thrones. I think I've determined. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the of the moment in the season two premiere where uh like all of like the the city watch are going yeah. around slaughtering the bastards yeah. it's just something like a little corny about it hmm. you know it's like these like these montages it's like when uh it's 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 like the game of thrones equivalent of like those goofy bike chases on sons of anarchy <laughs> it just like it just like doesn't feel right there's just something like musically it feels like weird editing it feels a little weird uh, it just doesn't feel totally, totally serious to me. Well, we see the Faith Militant break up a bunch of parties going on at the uh, Littlefinger brothel. Uh, Oliver will say, like, do you realize this is Lord Peter Baelish's establishment? Yeah. And the Faith Militant are like, yeah, you told us that the other week, dude. Yeah, we got we it. got it. We got it. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Yes. And the Faith Militant uh, we establish here, especially do not care for relationships between two people of the same sex. Yeah, and this is bad news for Loris Tyrell, who is going to be the last person we see apprehended uh, in this sequence where he's just like, he's, you know, having a sword fight. He's just like having a sparring match with somebody and he's finished with the sparring match and Lancel and the other faith militant just show right up, march right up to Loris Tyrell and throw the book at him. Justice. Also in the montage, uh, Lance Lannister is getting the uh, mark of the Faith Militant on his forehead also. Yeah, uh, he's looking. uh, They're all looking like uh, Colin Farrell in Daredevil with the bullseye tattoo. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a great look for anybody. It was a bad look then. It's a bad look now. And all of this is going to throw a real wrench into Tommen's lunch plans. He looks like he had (laughs) a nice lunch to himself. What did it look like Tommen was having? It looked like I don't know. It looked like there was probably like some cranberry sauce on there. Mm-hmm. It looked like a little Thanksgiving, uh, you know, leftover lunch is what it looked like he was working on. Yeah. And Queen Marjorie comes in and she is not too happy. And she says, Cersei did this. And Tommen has a great reaction. Oh, are, are you and mother not getting along? 
Yeah, oh, sweet little Tommen. Ah, baby Tommen. He's so cute, isn't he? You know, he's so innocent. He doesn't understand what's going on here. Uh, he doesn't know how to negotiate an angry wife in this moment. Marjorie is turned up as well. Uh, it's 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 a difficult situation for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Marjorie puts Tom up to going to go and uh, work on this. Go talk to your mom. So uh, Cersei goes in uh, or Tom goes and talks to Cersei and uh, Cersei is trying to uh, say, like, what? I'm not I- I'm not holding Loras. I yeah, can't I free him. I didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Your wife has every right to be mad, but like I didn't do it. Yeah. But you armed the faith militant. Uh, I did. Uh. I did, and that may have been a big mistake. Yeah, and seemingly the afternoon that I armed them, they did go and arrest uh, Loras Tyrell. Yeah, that's like an immediately bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that this seemed like a really bad idea on Cersei's part. If Cersei's entire character is, you know, I am the mother lion protecting my cubs sending Tommen off to go speak to the high sparrow himself seems like a miscalculation i think that she can't imagine the scenario where the high sparrow is going to kill Tommen or hurt Tommen. i think she's got to figure that Tommen is the king he's probably safe which may be a miscalculation you're right mm-hmm. um but i i think for for her she must imagine that just like the 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 prospect of anybody going after King Tommen is just ridiculous because it gets hostile very quickly when Tommen arrives to go uh, see the high sparrow that the faith militant won't let Tommen through. No. And then like Tommen starts getting like heckled on the street from mm-hmm. people who like have like, uh, hey, bastard! yeah, like they know they've heard the rumors uh, and the rumors are true, even if they're unconfirmed. So he's just like getting he's getting really reamed out by the people of King's Landing, which makes me sad because, again, you know me. I got a soft spot in my heart for Tom and Baratheon. I think this is a, this is a good little chap, a good Dean Charles Chapman. Hey, bastard says what? <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. They're really giving him like a, a bevy of emotional wedgies are occurring. They're really just like. Collectively noogieing this kid. Hey, bastard, 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 bastard. Hey, bastard. Swing, bastard. <laughs> so, Tommen is like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just get out of here. <laughs> Lil? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. Oh, my God. Appearing in the strangest of places. But, yeah, so he's going he's gonna to walk away. He's done with this. And then, like, he's going to go to to Marjorie. And this is a very relatable scene yeah. of him going like, oh, there was a thing I was supposed to do, but I couldn't do yeah. the thing. And now I'm going to get destroyed for not having been able to do the thing. Yeah. She just is really gives it to him that she doesn't even raise her voice. Uh, she says to him, you're the king of the Andals, the Lord of the seven kingdoms, the protector of the realm. And you let a band of fanatics imprison your brother by law. Well, and he's like, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. that's basically, basically what I did. Uh, and, you know, at that point, I think Marjorie even uh, she's really struggling to keep her chill in this moment because Tommen is, you know, she she can't like anger Tommen. Not that Tommen is really somebody who's going to get angry with Marjorie, I don't think. But he's still in this position of power. He's got the the throne by by blood, by, you know, the right name, at least. And she's been married to him and she needs to be very delicate about how the power is handled. So I, I think that she does a decent job here, considering how emotional she must be feeling about the whole situation, how angry she must be feeling about the whole thing that she's like, I got to talk to my grandma. Yeah. Like, clearly you are not an option right now to do anything real and important. Uh, and I can't yell at you either. So I, I just need to, to go to plan B. Mm-hmm. And Tommen says to her, but you'll be back later, right? <laughs> it's like, I need to be with my family, your grace. Yeah. So she's out of there. I thought she did a good job. Okay. All things considered. Yes. But, you know, maybe if if but she the hadn't... Record. We were going to go for the record. <laughs> yeah, so much for that, kiddo. Uh, what? I, I think, uh, yeah, I think if she hadn't uh, made fun of uh, the Queen Mother last week, maybe you're right, that that was like a, a moment where uh, a little too big for her britches there, Marjorie Durant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. 
We check out what's going on at the uh, at the wall at Castle Black. A lot of stuff uh, involving uh, the Stannis uh, Baratheon family uh, here at the wall. And we start off with uh, Stannis talking with Salise, and uh, she's like, "Boy, you're really taken with this uh, Jon Snow. He's a he's a bastard who is the son of a tavern wench." And Stannis is like, "Well." Well, maybe not. Yeah, this episode is a weird episode uh, for the the Rhaegar and Lyanna storyline, yeah. right? Like, there, a there's turning a turning point. Yeah, but they just like they. It's like they. It hadn't been a big deal on the show yet, and it's it's like they got to season five, realized that they were probably going to be ending the show around season eight ish. Uh, only have a handful or so of episodes to go. You know that they they need to start laying track for the reveal that John is secretly a Targaryen and had just like realized we haven't really done that. Let's put like three fairly significant clues in this one random ass season five episode. <laughs> so there's like this moment here where Sam's is like, yeah, it wasn't Ned Stark's way to have a kid with just some woman he met in a tavern. Okay. Clue number one. And then we're going to get like these other two things like you're going to get like the loaded look between Littlefinger and Sansa and Winterfell when she's talking about the Rhaegar and Lyanna story. And then you're going to hear like this wholly different interpretation of who Rhaegar Targaryen was out in Meereen. And it's like, okay, well, if you had been paying attention to that stuff at all, like if that had even been just like a passing thing in your mind that you'd been aware of like the R plus L equals J theory that had floated around forever until it was confirmed on the show. I think at this point, like it's very not subtle uh, what they're trying to do here in this episode. I don't know if that's just because like I had the familiarity with it mm-hmm. or if or if you just like feel that way, too, of like they're really almost like hammering it right on the face. Yeah. I don't know how many people uh, that when it ultimately was revealed on the show uh, were surprised. Like, I think it had been so like, I wonder, like, if my mom watching these episodes, if that was like, oh, my God, that wasn't uh, Ned Stark's kid, Jon Snow. Does your mom like Game of Thrones? Yes, she watches it. Who's her favorite character? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, Tyrion. Yeah. He's a a, a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Okay. We... Bring Shireen into this, and because uh, Solis talking about, ah, I should have given you a son, and uh, Melisandre comes through like, no, don't worry about uh, her with the grayscale because those scars mean nothing to the Lord of Light. And remember, uh, her father's blood, the Chosen King, runs through her veins. Which this episode, in the moment, uh, we will talk about. It looks like uh, Stannis was uh, a great dad. But yes. this is a lot of establishing. And I think that the Melisandre line here is going to be important to remind us that in the same way that she wanted to sacrifice Gendry, you know, uh, she is a valuable commodity, Shireen, because uh, she has that king's blood. That's sweet, sweet king's blood. That's right. Uh, yeah, we know in just a few episodes from now. Uh, that that's going to happen. I was watching this episode with with my my wonderful wife Emily Fox, mm-hmm. who is not a big Game of Thrones person, but she's like passingly aware of stuff. So I was like, she's like, oh, that's uh, that's the the king's daughter. She seems cool. I was like, yeah, she'll be burned alive in five episodes. A couple episodes. Yeah, and Emily was then uh, if she ever was interested in watching the show, she was really not interested anymore after that. Mm-hmm. And you were like Tom, and like, oh, are you are you coming back? Are you coming? Are you coming back later? <laughs> I need to be with my family. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and then she went and hung out with our, our cat who is not named Sir Pounce. <laughs> All right. John is in his office and Sam is uh, putting a lot of documents in front of him. Basically uh, notes to uh, send some more guys to the wall because they need uh, some reinforcements if they're going to uh, fight off the army of the dead. Yeah. And John's like, man, being Lord Commander sucks. I didn't realize there was going to be so much work. I thought it was just like a cool title and a cool name and that everyone would instantly respect me and appreciate everything that I have to say. I didn't realize I actually had to do stuff. Mm -hmm. He does not want to ask Winterfell to send any men because uh, Roos Bolton was responsible for killing off Rob Stark. Yeah, so at this point, we don't want we don't want anything to do with that. But Sam is trying to convince him, like, look. Uh, you got to get over that. We, we need, we need people and we're not going to get people without the warden of the North and this dude's warden of the North. So suck it up. Get over it. Okay. 
Uh, Sam leaves. Melisandre comes in and Melisandre's like, come on, come with us. Let's go. Go to Winterfell. Let's go uh, kill the Boltons. Come on. Yeah. And then other things happen. Yes. Yes. And Jon Snow says, well, look, no, my job is here. And uh, Melisandre is going to open her her top for Jon Snow. Yes. Another another uh, naked Melisandre scene on on our hands here. Uh, and she's going to to guide John's hand to her chest mm-hmm. and say, "Do you feel my heart beating? This power is in you. You resist it, and it's your mistake. Embrace it. Embrace the power." Now, uh, what what is yeah. that power to feel Melisandre's heartbeat? Is that he has her so worked up that her heart is uh, beating very loudly that uh, he could feel that? Like you feel this power? You're a hot guy. Look at look what I, you're doing to me. I got to be honest, I'm still so confused about why any of this is happening. <laughs> uh, you know, like what, what what's happening here? Does she does she know that John has King's blood in him at this point? I don't think so. Right. I mean, it's uh, unless well, what she, like, king. Yeah. Like is the, it, the, like, or that he's Rhaegar's son, the Mad King. Yeah, she can't she can't know that. And does she know that he's is it because he's like uh he's from the Stark lineage and they were once the the kings of the north, so maybe there's some king's blood in him well, there. I do feel like that if you subscribe to the, you know, Jon Snow is Zoran High, uh yeah. you know, even though she thinks Stannis is that uh, you know, said person, but she knows something is special about John. She's commented on that a number of times. She will bring John uh, back to life. So she does seem to know something is up with John. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know if I if I quite follow like why she feels like this has to happen unless she's just like into Jon Snow, in which case that explains Can't blame her. How could you not be into Jon Snow with the hair? So luscious. Yeah. And he's not into her. He's not. He's not feeling it. Yeah, he swore a vow, and uh, he loved another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like, didn't you hear what I said last week about gingers? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says he still loves her, and yes. uh, she's like, well, look, uh, the dead—they don't need lovers, only the living. And she walks away. And she said, uh, "You know nothing, Jon Snow. How did you yeah. know that? How did she yeah. know that?" Yeah, she and like Egret were pen pals or something. Was she, it like, a coincidence? It. Yeah. Do not mistake coincidence for fate. Is something that a wise man once said. Um, no, I I don't know. I, I think like it it certainly helps you with the idea that she has seen. Uh, she sees things in the fires that don't always make sense to her. Like that don't always like fully compute. Um, but in this in this case, like it feels like she must have had some sort of flash of egret at some point in time. Yes, as opposed to a flash of Melisandre that John gets in this scene. Correct, and that we seem to get like every other Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> All right, so tough gig. Look, <laughs> uh, you don't want people falling asleep during these uh, Castle Black moments. I guess. I guess. Okay. Stannis uh, is going to have a talk with Shireen. We have not seen a ton of father-daughter time between uh, Stannis and Shireen. And I think that in the real time, most of us were feeling pretty good about Stannis uh, in this moment. That uh, she comes through and Stannis is like, oh, let me guess. You're bored. She's like, no, I'm not bored. Um, but uh, there's some talk. Will she accompany the, the crew when they leave uh, the Castle Black? Right. And it's like, launches like why is them. she on this entire mission? Right. Uh, well, because Mel Sarn's like, we're going to need her. It's going to be very important that she's there. Mm-hmm. You know, they were setting this up last season already. Uh, but but here she is. She's along for the ride. And we get into this whole speech about um, what it was like when Shireen was first born and what happened with the grayscale and how she was uh thought that she was going to die and that she should be sent to Valyria to live out her life with the stone men. Uh, but they persevered and they were able to contain it. And you're my daughter and you're the best and I'm the best and we're the best. And all of this is obviously set up for two things, right? It's set up for the fact that this is not the father of the year. 
This is a no. guy who is going to burn his daughter alive just to get some of that sacrificial king's blood, and it's going to do nothing for him except send him to an early grave in the very next episode. And we're also still at that point in the season where we're really uh, driving home the grayscale idea so that everyone will be on the same page and understand exactly what grayscale is when Jorah Mormont gets it next episode. Yeah. All right. So more Easy on enough. that to Easy come. Enough. Yes. A lot of uh, grayscale foreshadowing as well. So, so let's go to the tombs beneath Winterfell. And it's time to have Sansa check in with Littlefinger that they are at the uh, remains, the monument to uh, Lyanna Stark. Yes, they're at the crypt, uh, the crypts of Winterfell. And again, this is this is like the, the second point to hit in terms of the R plus L equals J trifecta mm-hmm. of this episode of just like talking about the story of uh, the tourney at Hall and just recapping how Rhaegar Targaryen rode past his own wife and lay the, the crown of winter roses upon Lyanna and made her the, the queen of love and beauty and all of that jazz. And uh, Sansa's like, yeah, and then he kidnapped her and raped her. And Littlefinger has this very oh, loaded I look. I don't think so. It's like, oh, I think, I think you read the wrong recap, Sansa. <laughs> uh, like he, but he never is ever going to come out with oh. the truth because he's just going to get, you know, Arya Starked you know he's mm-hmm. just not he's not gonna make it yeah. um, so we'll never know if this loaded look was anything more than just like for the viewer just to like think yeah. about that a little bit more or what uh, I don't know we'll never know if Littlefinger knew Josh who keeps all the candles lit in the crypts beneath Winterfell especially now yeah, does Santa go and do question. that like is it the maesters is there a maester there like who's uh, gonna who's gonna do like where in the Bolton uh, ledger is this gonna be a priority right like they're not gonna care about yeah. keeping the the Stark stuff lit they don't they don't care about these people at all yeah, you kind of feel like that you know now that the new administration has come in they're really undoing a lot of stuff from the previous administration here at Winterfell. Yeah, just like desecrating their legacy right? Uh, or, or at best, like ignoring it. Right. right? And just like kind right. of not even going down there. Right. As at, you know, least of all, like keeping the candles lit. But maybe, you know, maybe that lady that put the candle up in the tower. She's also putting the candles down in the crypts. Also, she just loves candles. The North remembers. Yes. Have a candle. <laughs> <laughs> smells like winter. Winter scented. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, Sansa and Littlefinger talk about uh, what's coming up. And uh, Littlefinger is headed to uh, King's Landing. Uh, uh, Cersei uh, wants to see me. So don't want her to think something's up. Yeah, he's been summoned, so he has to go down to King's Landing, and he says, Stannis Baratheon's going to be here soon, and a betting man in a war between the Boltons and the, and the Baratheons would bet on the Baratheons. And once again, Littlefinger just showing that he knows absolutely mm-hmm. nothing about the Boltons. Like, this is this is such a blunder from this guy. Yeah, uh, like it's like it's like he it's like he got senioritis somewhere along the way when like he like pushed Lysa out the moon door. He had just killed Joffrey. Sansa seems to really be in his pocket, and he's like, "Yeah, now I can just phone it in because I'm going to graduate any day now. It's fine. Like I don't need to do my homework anymore." It's like, no, man, you forgot that you had art class and you weren't going all semester, <laughs> and now you're going to fail. It's like that. Yeah. It's like a dream that I always have. <laughs> he has basically, you know, uh, two scenarios that he outlines. He says, uh, you know, one, Stannis and his guys, they have more men. They're going to come down here. And so uh, Stannis will liberate Winterfell. You'll be fine. Okay. Worst case scenario, Stannis, for whatever reason, doesn't get down here. You just use your feminine uh, manipulation and then you take, uh, you know, basically wrap that Ramsey guy around your finger and you'll be fine. Yeah. And he seems nice. Yeah. He's he's polite. (laughs) You know, learn the Uh, manipulation from the best. Yeah. Littlefinger really, really blowing it here. Uh, this is this is all just so bad. It's a shame. It's all going to be very bad with Littlefinger from now on. Mm-hmm. OK. Sansa says, uh, look, uh, I might be married when you get back. Yeah. He's like, that's not going to stop me. <laughs> yeah. He gives her a kiss on the mouth in this scene. Yeah. Also, 
Second, not second open mouth, mouth kiss. Not open no. mouth, closed mouth. But. Still creepy. Still, still creepy. Especially, especially in, the in the crypt. crypt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> it's very crypty. Yeah. It's gross. Everything here is terrible and stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jamie and Braun head to the shore and they are going to. Uh, there's a funny moment where. Uh, Jamie can't row the boat and uh, yeah. Ron is looking at him and he holds up his uh, golden hand like can't do it this uh, this episode is like a real endorsement for getting if you're like a swordsman getting your hand chopped off by Locke is like a really powerfully positive thing uh, because you get to have like your cool little secret shield hand that can block a sword swing at one point later on and then also uh, as a positive you don't have to do any rowing and you don't have to dig graves. Uh, your buddy has to do it because you can't do it. So it's like, okay, this seems like a pretty good thing to have happened to Jamie. Yeah. So there are some upsides that maybe he did not uh, know about. He didn't when count it on happen, it, but right? he didn't yeah, think about the positive. He didn't feed the yeah, positive. Yeah. So, you know, he's got a, I, I hope that he's, his, his outlook has changed on the matter. Yes. Uh, but he's almost going to get eaten by a snake. So that's yes. more pressing at this moment in time. Yes. Snake tries to get him. Braun stabs it in the head. And there's some interesting talk. And you referenced this already about how uh, Braun talks about how that that would not have been a, uh, a fitting way for Jamie to die. Doesn't uh, as a legendary character, doesn't he need a, a good ending for the singers to sing about? Right. He says that would have been a shit way to die. And Jamie says, as far as I've seen, they're all shit ways to die. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I, I do think not Sir Barristan. True, true. I, I think for for Jamie, you know, he's he's been uh, one of the characters that is really loved in the books that Nikolai Costa is is a great actor. And I think that he does a really good job as Jamie Lannister and rises above some shoddy material. I think especially these last few seasons for Jamie, even getting close to, you know, the point that we're at in Game of Thrones through seven seasons. It's just not great. It's just not a lot of strong stuff. But you got to imagine that the end is going to be fairly compelling. And for many people, I think it seems like it's fairly predictable that like he's going to kill Cersei or she's going to kill him or they're going to kill each other. And I do think that there is a good possibility here, especially with him talking about, I want to die in the arms of the woman I love. That's like the kind of open-ended thing that the Game of Thrones writing team really, really loves to subvert. And like, you could imagine the scenario where Jamie like, kills Cersei or is killed by Cersei and Brienne is there and Brienne is there to like comfort him as he's dying. Something like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like the odds of some scene twist on that close to that. Yeah. yeah, I think is a, is a pretty good bet for how this story will, will end for Jamie Lannister, who I I cannot imagine is going to make it out of game of Thrones alive. Mm -hmm. Although, this is not a George R. R. Martin uh, prophecy. This is something that's a, a TV only creation. So I kind of feel like I have a little less stock in them, even though there have been things that we say, oh, look at that. Um, right. But I feel uh, less like it is going to be something that is necessarily in the minds of the writers in season eight. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I I could see it. I think that I think that of the ways that you could imagine Jamie Lannister going, I do think that's that's one that comes readily to mind to me, especially because like Jamie and Brienne sort of reconnected a little bit in the season seven finale. Mm -hmm. He's riding toward her right now. Uh, Like you could imagine the two of them just like being closer in this final season and something like that happening. No, no, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out in like seven years when this thing actually ends. Okay, so the. Dornish riders are coming. The four horsemen of Dorn head down to uh, Jamie and Bronn's position. Uh, Bronn asks Jamie, how many could you take? Jamie says, I could take one if he's slow. Yeah, Jamie's such a complainer these days. Yes. And Bronn says, uh, F'd in the A. Yeah, yeah. They are F'd in the A. Uh, and then he, uh, he, he does his best Sterling Cooper impression. I'm Sterling Cooper. <laughs> this is... This is my buddy Darnell Hamilton. Yeah, we're Cooper uh, and Darnell. Yeah, a great law firm, Cooper and Darnell. Yes, uh, our ship capsized. Yes, then all oh, the sharks—they were—they were really coming after us. There's no sharks in Dorn. Yeah, about, about that. <laughs> Could have sworn. So, yeah. 
So that brings us to the best fight scene in Dorne, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see Braun take out a dagger, throw it at a guy's neck. Then another guy comes at Braun, and he uh, does that classic Game of Thrones move, classic Braun move of stabs the horse. Guy falls off the horse. And then he tells Jamie, okay, that guy's pretty slow. You take him. But he stands up and he's like seven feet tall. Yeah, take the slow guy. The slow guy, as he said, is gigantic and is just like beating down on Jamie, just like pushing him further and further and further downhill. And eventually Jamie's just like he lifts his his uh, his right arm, which has the, the golden hand on it. And he's able to just like catch this guy's sword in his hand. And he's then able to kill this man. Uh, so, again, un- unintended uh, positives from from what happened to him back in season three. Yes. And so they make it through unscathed, but then they are going to need to uh, bury these bodies because people are going to ask questions. Lots of questions. So many questions. And unfortunately, Jamie is not going to be able to help in the burying effort. OK. Uh, meanwhile, Josh, uh, we should uh, check out what's going on with uh, Alaria Sand and the Sand Snakes. We should, but do we have to? Mm, okay, well, the short version is Hilaria Sand wants to know, where do you stand, Sand Snakes? Are you with me <laughs> or are you with Doran? It's going to war with me or to go have peace with Doran. And they should have selected peace with Doran. I think they'd all be alive still, probably. They'd probably still be alive and likely they would not be on the show. Yes. And so Jamie and Braun talked about how that there was the captain of the ship. They, they, they paid him off to stay quiet. But instead, that guy went into Dorne and tried to sell this information. And I guess he tried to uh, sell it to one of the sand snakes. And then they ended up burying him and putting a scorpion on his head. Yeah, and then he gets like a spear through the face. That that guy's final moments on yeah. on Planetos were pretty yeah, rough. Why, why did they do that to this guy? There's really no great reason. Uh, cinematically, it was kind of neat. Did they not want to pay him for his information? They said, no, we're just going to torture you. You'll tell us and then we'll kill you anyway. Yeah, I think we'll bury you in the ground and throw some things at your face. Yeah, and you'll, mean, you'll tell us the stuff we need to know. Yeah. They had him in, you know, the scorpion on his head with the bucket, but then they took the bucket off so that they could throw the spear through his face. Yeah. Uh, as Braun would say, that's a shit way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough way to die. Tough way to die. Which is worse, the spear through the head or the uh, I feel kind of like the spear through the head is kind of like a an instant end to it. Whereas I feel like that the scorpion on your head, it feels like a more agonizing way to go. And, you know, not for nothing, he's also fully buried in sand. Mm -hmm. His entire body is buried in sand and only his head is sticking out from the sand. That's like the worst part is the claustrophobia with the scorpion on your head like that combo. And then the bucket on your head. So you're really, really limited. That's a nightmare. That's an absolute nightmare. What a total trash situation to even contemplate. What a terrible, terrible way to go. The spirit of the face is a mercy. Yeah. All right. Oh, horrible. So all the sand sand snakes are all in on let's go to war. They are just as bad as as remembered, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, the the scene with them, it's just like, whoa. And I think at the time, I was like, let's wait, let's wait. You know, the sand snakes, they might be cool. This This might work out. No, doesn't work out. It gets worse. Okay. It's worse, but it's very bad here. This is not a, not a good, not a good first impression for the sand snakes. Okay. Meanwhile. We see Tyrion and Jorah on the boat. Tyrion wants to be untied and he wants to know, does Jorah have wine? Because he can't sleep without wine and Jorah is not having it. But Tyrion notices, hey, we're sailing the wrong way. We're not going towards uh, Westeros. Yeah. Westeros is west. We're heading east. Yeah. yeah. And this, this is when Jorah tells him, yeah, we're going to a different queen. We're talking about uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, and Tyrion's like, oh, that's great. You're giving me a, a shortcut <laughs> yeah. to the place I was going what to What a anyway. waste of a good kidnapping, he says. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great line. Yeah. That's really good. And then Tyrion just does his Tyrion thing where he, uh, you know, completely puts together who Jorah is. He's very <laughs> yes, smart. Yes, it's all yeah. coming back to me now. Yes, you were spying on her. That was bad. You shouldn't yeah. have been doing that. 
Yes, he's just like really like catching us oh. up in case any of us had forgotten. Yes, you know, she a, must have found out. That must be bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he gets punched in the face for this. Yeah. Um, why did Jorah say I'm taking you to see the queen last week? Was he trying to mess with Tyrion? He said, "Okay, I'm going to kidnap him. I'm going to throw him in the boat. Uh, let me make him think I'm taking him to Cersei." I don't think that he's that clever. Mm-hmm. I think he literally means like I'm taking you to the queen. I'm taking you to my queen, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, to the Khaleesi. Uh, I think that's. I think that's it. I don't think that there's anything glamorous or flashy about this. I think he's just. He thinks that he's going to bring Tyrion to Daenerys. This is a Lannister. This is an enemy. This is somebody who could be valuable to you or pleasurable to kill, and potentially will buy back some goodwill. Uh, it won't exactly work that way, mm-hmm. but it's a good effort. Okay. Uh, Daenerys is uh, looking out at the streets, and uh, Sir Barristan, he wants to tell some old stories. And it's like, oh, well, I know up in Winterfell right now, they're really shit-talking Rhaegar, but let me tell you, pleasant guy, really good guy, great musician. Best guy. S- sweet guy, <laughs> really nice guy. Yes. And he was a uh, a minstrel. He used to go and then sing and put like a hat out and people would give him money. And also he is the dad of your future boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that Jon Snow is a good singer or did he get Liana's singing voice? I expect that he's not the best singer. Mm. I don't look at Jon Snow and see somebody who's getting a wombat's hat anytime soon. Yeah. Is that a nature or nurture thing? You, you, you get the pipes or you have to be, you know, uh, trained? You need to get the pipes. You need to get the pipes. Training is is what, you know, turns you from, you know, a good, solid singer into a star. <laughs> uh, and some people have that uh, naturally born star quality. Um, but, you know, without without uh, at least a little bit of the natural talent, I think you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. You need some of that. You need some of that. So Barristan, you know, regaling Daenerys with some Rhaegar tales and, uh, you know, a nice light moment on a little, uh, a nice visibility spike for Barristan <laughs> in uh, the episode. He's going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, it's like, oh, remember this guy? This is a, I hope you enjoyed nice him. Nice moment. Yeah, it is. It is a nice moment. It's a nice moment. I actually I really like the final Barristan stuff in this episode. It makes me sad that this is it for him. Uh, But I I think his final couple of scenes are pretty good. Okay, but Danny is being called away. Uh, There are people here to see Daenerys and oh, look who it is. His dog. Yeah, that's a great line uh, where she's like, are you going to join us, Sir Barristan? And Daria's like, oh, you don't need Sir Barristan. I can protect you from his stars of Lorak. And Daenerys is like, I can protect me from his stars of Lorak. Mm-hmm. It's like, that, like no one, no one is worried about his stars of Lorak. And so his dar has a request. He wants to still open the fighting pits. Yeah, so we're just having this scene again. Yes, it, today it's opening day. It's the traditional day to start the the fighting pits. April April nineteenth. Yeah, it's fighting pits day. Yeah, opening day uh, of Marines' uh, favorite pastime, <laughs> fighting season. Yes, <laughs> yes. And Hisdar says that look, it's tradition. We need our tradition. Tradition, tradition. Yes, without the tradition, tradition, the former slaves and the former masters will have nothing in common. That's right. Uh, and Daenerys just does not seem to care. Yeah. I mean, not a super convincing argument. Not really. No. <laughs> and she's like, I, this is fine. I'm not a, I'm just not a fighting pits person. Yeah. You know, you get you guys do what you got to do. I'm not doing the fighting pits. OK. So meanwhile, down in the mean streets of Marine. We see, you know, a prostitute and a soldier having a nice old time. But now here come the sons of the harpy on the warpath. And they are going to be uh, really uh, just killing a bunch of people. Yeah, this is the same one as before, I feel like. Right. Like, so this is really her move. It's just like, uh, you know, make these soldiers happy and then just like get out Call of the way. The, the sons, sons of the harpy. harpy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a classic move. Josh, um, can you explain to me and maybe I'm just uh, dense and not getting this. Who are the sons of the harpy? Are they 
are they the former masters themselves or are they the freed slaves who are uh, have either been paid off or are sympathetic to the uh, the way it used to be? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a combination of masters. It's people in Marine who felt like the old way was the right way. I don't think that it's like anybody who's being paid to do something that they don't believe in. Like, I think that this is like in their minds, they're the resistance here in Marine of fighting for their old way of life. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, I think that's the deal on, on who these guys are that like, this is like the anti Targaryen regime. But it doesn't seem like there's enough of them to be only masters, but it's, so it's, uh, it's a lot of them are slaves that want to go back to being enslaved. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, we saw that guy in the other it's episode. Kind of a crazy like, oh, take. No, this is a little bit of a crazy take, but it's what they it's what they were into culturally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they must have, you know, there's been, not even uh, fighting pits. Come on. <laughs> right. Right. Or like other people in Mirene who are like middle class or however that would work of people who miss the old Mirene. It's better the way it was. Nah. That's what the, that's the, 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 the harpies take. It's how they feel. It's yeah. how they feel for sure. Okay. Uh, but here they are with all their, you know, their, their Ryan Murphy masks on <laughs> and they're just uh, going after the Unsullied. And this, of course, was a moment in time where everyone's like, wait, why do the Unsullied suck so bad? Why are they just getting schooled by the Sons of the Harpy? Uh, you know, the Sons of the Harpy home field advantage, if you want to say that. But the Unsullied really are kind of just like dunked on here. And it's really only Grey Worm who's able to to hold it together. And he's doing a pretty decent job. And then Barrison kind of gets in on the action. And we get that one final Barry the Bold fight scene, which I do think is better than I remember. Mm-hmm. I, 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 There's there like this one shot of, uh, of Barrison when he's just like kind of like gliding through three different Sons of the Harpy pretty swiftly. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Grey Worm is going to take some damage, too. Grey Worm is going to get stabbed. Yes. Uh, this episode would leave you to believe that both uh, Grey Worm and Sir Barristan uh, have uh, headed to the Nightlands, but it would yeah, only be <laughs> it would only be Sir Barristan. Yeah, I actually I think, you know, the way that the episode ended, it was like ambiguous enough that like maybe they both survived. Maybe they're both just like extremely wrecked by what happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're both dead. There was just not a lot of clarity. And then the preview for the next episode showed like Barristan on the slab with the stones in his eyes and everything. It's like, oh, my God, you guys really killed Barristan. Ah, you killed Barristan, Selmy. You, you, you bastards of Bolton. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Uh, so that's it. That's it for Barristan. It's sad. I love that character. I think a much better character in the book through no fault of the actor. I think, uh, through, uh, the, the adaptation process, I think is a difficult one for this character considering a lot of the great surprises involved with Barristan in uh in mr martin's novel is that for some of it you don't know you're dealing with barristan that's something that you can't really get away with on television uh given the the way that the medium is presented so i understand that but uh it's just sad it's sad to lose this guy at this point in time yeah and then gray worm is going to be on the shelf uh for a little bit he's going to be on the mend i think he's gonna uh bed rest yes yes which is uh you know not super exciting uh new trajectory for his character he is going to stand again by the end of the season to be propped up as like he's going to be like the figurehead of Marine while Daenerys is gone. If I'm remembering that mm-hmm. right, like Tyrion's going to do the stuff behind the scenes and Missandei and Grey Worm are going to be uh, the like the replacement uh, president and first lady while Daenerys is gone. OK. All right. And there you have it. That's uh, season five, episode four of Game of Thrones, Josh. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, you know, highs, lows, it's all there. Yeah. Well, it's gonna get it's gonna get darker. Oh you know? no, we're we're getting we're getting we're going through some some dark times here on Game of Thrones right now. Yes. I, again, I don't think it's as as low as season two, but I'm I'm open to being proven wrong <laughs> in the coming episodes. Right. Uh, we have not hit bottom yet in Dorne. Uh, in terms of uh, the Marine stuff, uh, do you feel like that? What is the nadir of uh, the Marine storyline in your mind? Oh, um, I mean, we're pretty we're pretty much in that right now, mm-hmm. I think. 
Yeah, I, I do think I think we're probably there. I think like the scene where Drogon shows back up from a couple episodes ago and then just sort of like weakly, timidly flies away from Daenerys was like a pretty good, uh, you know, ambassador for what's wrong with this storyline. Mm-hmm. Like even Drogon can't be bothered eh. with this shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I think just like we're in kind of just like we're we're in the we're in the we're in the dips here for uh, for me reading right now. OK. Uh, the good news is that uh, next week, no Dorn, no Dorn, no Dorn, and I believe uh, no uh, Bravos either. So, uh, only um, that uh, worst case scenario is, uh, and and maybe uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. I think that we're gonna spend a lot of time at the wall next week. So really, uh, no Faith Militant, no Dorn, uh, and uh, no Bravos next week. Uh, a decent uh, sojourn to old Valyria coming up, yeah. which is uh, that's a that's a good sequence if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. The the final shot of uh, of of Jora with the grayscale is, is a yeah uh, the cootie spot. That's right. Oh my god, Return of the Cootie Spot. That's a stone cold classic. The cootie spot. Yeah. Okay. So it's all happening. Uh, coming up, Josh. So much going on all over on the post show recaps. Of course, uh, that we've got the Better Call Saul recap with Antonio Mazzaro happening, and then also Fear the Walking Dead. We are uh, at the midway point through the second half of season four, going on there as well. So uh, firing on all cylinders. Uh, what are you up to? Just a couple more episodes left to go here on the Sinner Podcast, the aforementioned Sinner Podcast here on Post Show Recaps, which you can listen to by subscribing at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. We've got, I think, three episodes left of that uh, that season going on right now. Sadly, uh, some some news that Mr. Robot is coming to an end, yeah. Rob. No, it's going to be a while before we're podcasting about that again, Antonio and I, but... It's almost done. No, I, I think that that's a, a good thing. I would much I rather these thing, shows sure. be just a, you know, a short run, you know, three or four seasons. Keep it tight. Boom, boom, boom. Rather than, you know, bloated. And then by the end, it's like a who cares? I, I think that, you know, the better end the show a season early than a season late. Got to imagine that final robot season is going to be lit. Yeah. So I'm I am excited about yeah. it. I'll be sad to see it go. But it's it seems it seems like uh, the, the 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 move of somebody who's very confident in the story that they're telling. Yeah, it gives me more time to catch up on the third season. <laughs> sure. Sure. It's great. The third season is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for checking this out. Make sure you subscribe over on PostureRecaps.com uh, slash iTunes for our Apple podcast feed. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 